When you're on the road to WrestleMania and you pass the Elimination Chamber, you start looking for signs for the final exit. The card's been taking shape for months now, and we're really putting the final touches on it. For tonight's Raw, uh, there are only two advertised matches, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Cody Rhodes versus Grayson Waller for some strange reason. Regarding the Sami match, I'm really hoping he gets a win, but I'm also sure that we're going to see some other appearances. Drew McIntyre, Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley, you name it. WWE Raw on February the 26th, 2024 was in the SAP Center in San Jose, California, and these are my thoughts. Welcome to SVS uh, Wrestling Podcast and svsreviews.com slash wrestling. I'm Jason C. McLean. Now, of course, we start off raw with uh, the shots of people arriving. I'm still loving these uh, new production bits. Um, Drew McIntyre's there. Becky Lynch is there. Okay, good. We know they're going to be on the show. Now, we start with Dominic Mysterio in the ring. Uh, cutting a promo and basically to introduce Rhea Ripley. Now, seeing as Ripley was just the huge baby face in her home country, I think the reason they put Dom out there is to get the crowd booing and make sure everyone knows she's a heel. Um, the crowd, of course, massively boos Dom, but starts chanting, mommy, mommy, uh, when Rhea's in the ring, cutting her promo. And then we get Becky Lynch, and of course, they start cheering for Becky Lynch. Um, it's a fun little back and forth and maybe a bit too much fun for Michael Cole, who started laughing hysterically when Lynch referred to Mysterio as a quote unquote kumquat. I don't know if you can say that word on TV, but Becky did and they didn't bleep it. Um, the promo ends and all of a sudden Nia Jax hits the ring and starts attacking Becky. The crowd starts booing. And I guess maybe to ensure that everyone continues to see her more as the heel in the match, Rhea Ripley considers coming in to help, but doesn't, even if it means she's missing a chance to take on the woman she just beat over the weekend. I also really like Pat McAfee's interesting choice of words that it took, quote, seven humans to stop Nia Jax, end quote. I mean, yes, technically he's correct, but why refer to the random people who showed up not as security, but as humans, which they obviously are. Okay, the first match is Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, I'm really pulling for my uh, fellow Montrealer in this one. He needs to get back on the winning track. Um, and that's something that not only am I thinking and the audience is thinking, but the announcers are definitely reinforcing. Uh, Shinsuke uh, did look strong at first, uh, purportedly uh, injuring Sami's midsection and repeatedly targeting it throughout the match. So that's something else Sammy had to fight through. When we come back from the first commercial break with an interesting walk-in shot towards the ring, we start hearing the ole, ole, ole chants, and McAfee uh, lets us know that we were hearing those all throughout the commercial break. So it's good to know that the California crowd is also behind Sammy. Sammy makes a comeback, almost wins a, with a Mishinoku driver, and turns a Kinshasa into a blue thunderbomb, gets a two count. Uh, he takes another Kinshasa to the back of the head and he ends up winning with two Huluva kicks and I legitimately cheered at home. Yes, I'm cheering a Sami Zayn victory over Shinsuke Nakamura, but it's more about the story of him getting back on track. 
By the way, Sami Zayn's WWE 2K24 score is 87 and Shinsuke Nakamura's is 84. After the match, we get a nice uh, interview segment with uh, Jackie Redman where Sami says that he's either going to either his road to WrestleMania will find him or he'll go looking for it. Just as Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci walk by and then Gunther. Hmm. Are they really setting up Sami versus Gunther? I hope so. And then we get Chelsea Green heading to the ring. Uh, and I love how she now says her name along with a ring announcer, Samantha Irvin, in that very unique style. Um, I also like that we're getting more match graphics. And I like the fact that she cut a promo in the center of the ring, a really nice heel promo dissing the San Jose Sharks and making sense in her own weird way. The reason why she lost the Battle Royal is because. Adam Pierce decided to put Raquel Rodriguez into it. Then we get a short match with Chelsea versus Raquel Rodriguez. Um, it was pretty much a squash match, except for the fact um, that Chelsea was just so entertaining in how she was basically complaining and whining about all these moves being done to her and trying to negotiate with uh, Raquel not to do the moves that she was supposed to do to win the match. By the way, Raquel's 2K24 score is 86 and Chelsea's is 75. We get a nice quick Cody Rhodes promo at the nine o'clock hour, setting up a great match with Grayson Waller, uh, the first ever Monday Night Raw main event for the SmackDown star who never really main events. When Gunther hits the ring, I'm excited. He mentions uh, his future challengers. He acknowledges how he almost lost to, to Jey Uso in, his, in a way as humble as Gunther could possibly be, which is not that humble. Um, and he, he talks about the potential of facing Sami Zayn. Chad Gable, he even brings up R-Truth. And then of all the music to come on, we get the Judgment Day's music. I'm thinking, what? Uh, apparently, it's going to be Dominic Mysterio challenging them first, and then maybe eventually Damian Priest, though not using his briefcase. I definitely want to see Priest versus Gunther at some point, just not at WrestleMania. I have some thoughts on Gunther's next opponent, or more specifically, his WrestleMania opponent, and I'm going to share those in a video, by the way. We then get the uh, street fight between the New Day, New Day and Imperium. This is something I've been uh, waiting for for a while, because it seems like all of their matches have devolved into an unofficial street fight, so at least we're just throwing the pretext of a normal match out the window. It was really hard hitting. There, were a lot, there was lots of kendo sticks, uh, lots of slamming into things in the audience very violent as i was expecting from both of these teams uh they all put on a good show ludwig kaiser uh did some great heel work as the audience was chanting for a table he pulls one out and puts it right back under the ring but of course the new day eventually do bring out a table after shouting get the tables in the tribute to the dudley boys massive crowd pop from the capacity crowd in san jose and the place explodes when they put Vinci through the table. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods both go to town with kendo sticks on Kaiser. It looks like they're going to win. But eventually uh, Imperium take out uh, uh, Woods and, and, and run Kingston through a frying pan. And then a chair for the pin. So that means there'll probably be a rematch. Who knows? Maybe even at WrestleMania. Maybe Hell in a Cell, something like that. This was a really well done, fun, violent, and physical match to watch on Raw. We don't, we, and we don't get those all the time. 
We then get Chad Gable backstage giving an excellent pitch to Adam Pierce on why he should be the one to fight Gunther. He gives a personal angle, the story of his daughter. He's even released a video subsequently about this. He's actually my second choice for fighting Gunther. But again, more on this in another video. We get a short match between um, Shayna Baszler uh, and Zoe Stark versus uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell before the match. Uh, Stark and Baszler do make sense when they're saying it, they shouldn't have been the ones to get the title shot in the pre-show of Elimination Chamber just because Indy's from Australia. Now, while I'm glad that they did get the shot and I because I understand storytelling in the world of the story, Baszler and Stark are right. And this was a short match. They make quick work of uh, Candice and Indy and end up submitting Hartwell, setting up a match potentially between them and the Kabuki Warriors. I enjoyed the segment with uh, R-Truth, The Miz, and DIY in the uh, now-abandoned Judgment Day clubhouse. Uh, I especially like Tommaso Ciampa channeling his inner Triple H by asking, are you ready? And I think they might actually do a DX comedy segment next week. So the goofy wrestling guy in me is definitely looking forward to that. Drew McIntyre's heel work is really on point and developing nicely. And this episode was no exception. He comes out pretending the fans are on his side. Claims he's not going to miss WrestleMania because, quote, who do you think I am? CM Punk, end quote. Then he sits down, mimicking Punk's pipe bomb, calls out Seth Rollins. And what McIntyre said to Seth Rollins makes sense. Why is Rollins risking everything to help Cody fight the bloodline? What Rollins said in response made sense as well, too. These are two competitors making sense, and I'm definitely looking forward to their match, and I'm also waiting for the other shoe to drop. And part of me is even wondering if maybe... Seth Rollins is actually planning to betray Cody and maybe the bloodline's going to help him beat Drew. I hope that doesn't happen, but that would definitely be an interesting turn of events. Nia Jax versus Liv Morgan was a good match for what it was. Uh, Liv was definitely struggling for a lot of it, but did get some moves in. I was starting to wonder if this was, this match was supposed to be payback for Nia for losing to Rhea or Liv for coming in second in the Elimination Chamber. And then, of course, I realized it was neither. But before we got there, I think Pat McAfee's use of the Telestrator or the Pat Strader mid-match was a very interesting choice. Um, and, of course, when Becky Lynch came in uh, and caused a disqualification and attacked Nia Jax, setting up a match for next week, I saw what the purpose of this match was until Liv Morgan ran by her backstage and... And basically said, what are you doing? I was doing something. It's not all about you. And I'm wondering if maybe Liv Morgan is going to turn heel. Or maybe, who knows, Becky is going to go from being the man to big time Bex. And she turns heel. Who knows? I'm actually going to do a video on this one as well, too. A lot of interesting things to discuss uh, coming from this match. It's nice that Michael Cole gave a tribute to wrestling legend Ole Anderson, who passed away. Especially considering Ole had never actually been part of the WWE but definitely someone who had a lot of impact on a lot of the current roster and the past roster. Okay, so it's Cody Rhodes versus Grayson Waller. Cody Rhodes has a uh, WWE 2K24 rating of 93, and he's also on the cover, and Grayson Waller has a rating of 74. 
not such a great mate rating. And this is obviously a mismatch, even though Austin Theory's there. The match was decent, but short. Waller did get some moves in at the start of the match, but then Cody took over uh, with a nice vertical suplex. Uh, there was a Davy Boy Smith reference from Pat McAfee. And midway through the match, we get some breaking news from the internet that Paul Heyman is backstage. Of course, you could have just seen Heyman in the back of Austin Theory and Grayson Waller's interview, but I, which some people on the internet probably did, but I digress. And with Heyman confirmed and only 10 minutes left in the show, I had a funny feeling Grayson Waller wasn't going to last that much longer. He did a nice roll, but ended up eating a Cody cutter, followed by a crossroads. Paul Heyman does come to the ring, has his usual interplay with the audience, but he's not with Solo Sokoa or Jimmy Uso. He's with three guys I don't recognize that he identifies as retired, no, suspended police officers, obviously amateur wrestlers playing a different role. It's not an ambush, but Cody does get to take out the three guys after refusing to, quote, keep the Rock's name out of his mouth. And he gives a very passionate statement to the crowd and to Heyman that he's not being hunted by the bloodline. He's hunting the bloodline. And then in one of the funniest things I've seen that made me think of Star Trek and all their pads, Paul Heyman picks up one phone, says, call Roman Reigns, picks up a second phone with the Brahma Bull logo on it and says, call The Rock. Now, obviously, he could just use one phone. And Paul Heyman logically would know that too. But the sheer exuberance and opulence of this stunt was just hilarious. And it was a decent end, actually a very good end to Raw, furthering a one storyline in WrestleMania that we're not entirely sure where it's going, but we have an idea. This match started to set up some other potential WrestleMania matches, progressed a few of the ones we knew, but for other ones we knew, put a few snags in. Yes. This is the last stretch before the final exit to WrestleMania, but this Raw, to a certain extent, was a pleasant and interesting bump in the road. You can follow SVS Wrestling at Silo Wrestling on X or Twitter, at SVS Reviews on Instagram. You can follow at Jason C. McLean on X and Instagram. You could read Raw, SmackDown, and PLE reviews, including my review of Elimination Chamber at svsreviews.com slash wrestling. Also for wrestling opinion, check out SVS Wrestling on YouTube. I'm Jason C. McLean, and I will catch you next time.